Welcome to Dumb Love. I'm Sally Brooks. And I'm Jen O'Neill-Smith, and this is a podcast about all of the dumb things that people will do for love. Dumb, 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 dee doo be dumb, 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 dee doo be dumb, 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 dee doo be dumb, wow, 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 wow. So welcome to episode nine. We're on episode nine. I feel good about it. Me too. I feel really good about it. I feel like people feel good about it. If you're still listening and you're on nine, I think you do. Yeah, that's a that's a big investment. That's yeah. like nine hours with us. That means you're in it to win it, and we appreciate you. We do. We appreciate. That's one of my favorite things about doing comedy shows in the South, is that even if you don't have a good set afterwards, every audience member will walk by and be like, "I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for coming. I appreciate you." And you're I just appreciate like, you taking hey. your time to bomb in front of me <laughs> and offend me. I appreciate all of your Trump jokes. That was nice. <laughs> No. Did I tell you the time uh, I I did um, shows in Cocoa Beach, Florida? No. And they brought me up. They were like, from New York City, it's Sally Brooks. And this woman just yells from the back, Liptard. And oh, I was, my like, God. And on stage. And I was just like, oh, okay. I don't. Uh. And I just was like, well, I mean, of course, I am liberal. I am a comedian who lives in New York City, like, what did you think you were getting into? Yeah. Uh, but also, I was just like, I had realized at that point, I was like, oh, I can't ever do any kind of political material because I don't find this funny Oh yeah. at all. I was so angry, and I just was, like, so shocked by just saying, like, from New York City. Oh, yeah. Like, in, um, even, you know, we live in the city of Atlanta, but even if you go right outside of the city of Atlanta, there was this pla- uh, place that was, it's about 45 minutes from here, and um, I was on a show there. It was called Jimmy Max is the name of the place. <laughs> well, I can Jimmy already, Max. <laughs> and I can already it, picture it. It wasn't during my set, but during somebody else's set, all he did was say the name Hillary Clinton. Nothing. It wasn't even a political joke, really. Yeah. He just said Hillary Clinton. Like acknowledging and, her existence. And a woman screamed out, like a soccer mom looking woman. <laughs> you know, just yelled out, like she had one of those, you know, what do you call purses that looks like it's got the paisley on it. And it or like a like Lily a, Pulitzer. Lily, yeah. And um, she, and she screams out, can we curse? On, we curse on yeah. here. But this is a bad one. She goes, fuck that cunt. Oh. That, like so, see, yeah, I feel weird saying the C word on her <laughs> If I knew how to believe it, I would, uh, but yeah, I don't. Yeah, now we've done it. <laughs> now we, we're that. But it, she screamed it so loud and I was just like, geez, like did that really want, like all he did was say her name. Yeah, that's Yeah, amazing. you can't get political in the South here. Nope. They'll, They'll get you. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Bless your heart. Bless your heart. Bless your <laughs> Bless heart. Your heart. <laughs> um, but, oh God, we're going to get hate mail now. We're not going to get hate mail. Okay. Well, for saying the C word, we might. Oh, well, you will. I never said yeah, it, Mom. Yeah, it's my fault. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, um, Jenna's a dirty, dirty, filthy mouth. So oh, right. now you know. We should probably get into quickies before I get any filthier. Yeah, right. Do your quickies. All right. Do your quickies. All right. Um... Have you ever been dating someone and they had to relocate or move? Did that ever happen to you? It did, yeah. When I was, uh, my college boyfriend moved to Florida. Um, I was living in Chicago and and we kept dating. You did? Okay, so you didn't try to like do anything to stop it or prevent him No, I was just like, okay. Okay. (laughs) Cool. Um, Yeah, there was a, when I was in high school and um this guy moved um far away i just like remember like crying a lot but like and then i was like oh, okay bye yeah and, like, yeah. Like, and that was it yeah but um well when uh rodriguez gomez had to um who from chile um had to explain to his um longtime girlfriend grace uh guajardo I feel like I'm saying that wrong because there's a J in it. Uh, Guajardo, probably. I think that's probably better. Sorry. Oh, that's I'm the worst. Okay, Grace <laughs> Guajardo, um, that he took a job as a cruise ship waiter, and he had to leave Chile for Madrid. Um, she was not having it, uh-huh. um, so she didn't want him to go. But instead of telling him that she didn't want him to go, which is the adult thing to do, like please don't go. Right. I love you. She waited until he boarded his flight. 
and then decides to just call in a bomb threat. Oh, okay. To yeah, that stop makes the sense. plane. I was like, maybe off the big. Just hey, knock knock. Hey, who's there? <laughs> bomb threat. <laughs> stop the plane. <laughs> I didn't intend for that to be a knock knock joke, but <laughs> it worked. Um, so. <laughs> A uh, 312 people um, were forced to evacuate this plane, and um, they had like bomb sm- sniffing dogs come on, and police officers. They were called to the scene, and they they couldn't find a bomb anywhere. So of course they tracked the phone call back to Guajardo, um, and for calling in the bomb threat, and they uh, arrested her, and she's face currently facing jail time for her Aww. bomb threat. But you know what he said. He said, um, Rodrigo, he said, you know what? I can't be angry with her. I just have to support her. You know, what she needs is love and nothing more. (laughs) Would you, what would you do if someone called in a bomb threat on your, I would just be mad that I had to like, my flight was delayed. Right. That enough. You know, I can get another flight. Like it's not the only flight. You dumb dumb. And just tell me you don't want me to move rather than waiting. Could you imagine if like if no conversation was ever had? Yeah, just like good luck on your journey. And then See all ya. of a sudden you're sitting on a plane and you're like, fuck, there's a bomb on here. And then you find out that it was your um girlfriend or your boyfriend that um called in the threat. Because they didn't be... want you to go. Oh my god. Jen. Sally. I picked my quickie just for you. Oh, God. Um, hey, can you remind us what your least favorite song is? Um, is this a bird is a word thing? <laughs> I hate that song. Well, I think that the people in my story, Roy and Brenda Picard, would agree with you. It's probably their least favorite song, too. Please tell me that somebody killed another person over the bird is a word song. <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite that. But... Oh, my God. How did you even find this? <laughs> okay, I have to hear. Okay, so the Pic- the Picards... Um, they're a couple in their 70s. They live in Lancaster, England, and they were the victims of love. And the love was that of two nesting seagulls. So this pair of seagulls... Oh, this doesn't have anything to do with the song. You <laughs> no. tricked me. But it doesn't have to do with birds. <laughs> okay, okay. God. Okay, so the pair of seagulls decided they to nest on the Picard's roof mm-hmm. and held them hostage in their home for six days. By attacking them every time they tried to leave oh, the house. Oh, nightmare, nightmare, nightmare. Right? That's it? Okay. Uh, okay. So Roy actually was attacked so badly once that he ended up in the hospital with a bloody head wound. <gasps> and every time he went out, every time they would go out of the front door, the birds would be right there. Oh, He's, my God. I didn't stand a chance. It was genuinely frightening. So they actually contacted the council. They were just basically like, Veep, sorry, these are protective birds. Um, and then the elderly couple actually finally got a little relief from the BBC radio who heard their story came to their home and set up a tent over the front door. So basically they could like, they had enough room to get out to the car. Oh. Um, and they helped Brenda get to her doctor's appointments, which is very sweet. Aww. Um, but why, Jen, were the birds being so vicious? Because they were boning. They were protecting two adorable little chicks that oh. were like right at the edge of the roof near the Picard's So they home. were doing it for love. They were doing it for love. Oh, man. I still like shave a little. Like, if you see my arm right now, I have like goose bumps, if you will. Just thinking about ugh. like every time you try to leave the house. Yeah, if yeah. a bird tried to attack me. It's like, uh, sorry, I know people, there's people love cats. People love cats. But every, besides the one cat that I had when I was a child, this cat just didn't want anything to do with anybody. So, like, it would never come near anybody. Yeah. But, Every other cat that I've ever experienced do that thing where they like come up to you and then they act like you want, they like, they want you to pet it yeah. and then it'll just like swat you. Oh yeah. And, yeah, her, yeah. and then just that kind of, it just gives me, cats give me so much anxiety because I'm always just waiting for them to dart across the room and claw my eyes out. Yeah. Well, um, so Max, my son for like, oh, I don't know, maybe like. A good year was living his life as a cat. He still Aww. sometimes is a cat. Oh, cute. Like, you'll be like, hey, Max. And well, he'll that's be like, a meow, cute meow. cat. I can get down with that. Right. So I thought, I was like, oh, my gosh, he is going to flip his shit 
if I take him to one of the cat cafes. Oh, yeah. And so we go in, and first of all, he was just kind of like, yeah, I don't want to hang out with other cats. I am a cat. Like, he was, like, not excited about <laughs> it at all. And he was like, they are have, like, taking a... me to live at this cafe? Yeah, he was like, why, why are we here? <laughs> this is, I'm the cat. Um, but they had, like, a thing that you could crawl, in, like, the cats could crawl on the ceiling. Like, yeah, um, yeah. And so he was like, I want to go up there. And I was like, no, that's, that's for the cats. And he was like, I am a cat. And I was like, no, like, like little cats. He's like, I'm a little cat. <laughs> but while we were there, there was this woman and her son. And all of a sudden the kid starts crying. And I look over and the woman was like, oh my God, that cat just attacked my son. Like the son had a big old scratch down it. And I, I was like, okay, these are like cats that are supposed to be the most docile you know, cats that you're allowed to like come in and pet. And yeah. And the people that work there were just like, I guess you shouldn't have been so close to it. Oh my God. <laughs> they, that's what they do. That's their, uh, that's their thing, man. I'm sorry. Cats are beautiful animals. You're not going to get, you're not going to get a hate word. You're going to get hate mail for saying the C the word. C word. <laughs> you're going to get the C word. The is C cats. word is cats. Yeah. <laughs> for me saying I don't like cats. And we love cats. And we love cats. Um, and cunts. And, and cunts. <laughs> cats and cunts. Uh, and if you want to send hate mail, you can send it to um, dumblovepod at gmail.com. At hatemail.com. <laughs> at gofuckyourself.com. Go fuck it. No. Right, um, do you have right. a crazy story? Yes, I do. I'm so excited about my crazy story. This is, a, again, this was like another one of those things where I was researching a different story. Uh-huh. I have like... ADD of um, YouTube, like I'll be like like watching something or reading an article on something, and then those little blur like boxes on the corner. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> and uh, that's what happened with this. I was researching a totally different story. I'll do on another podcast, which was like a crazy love triangle. But then this one popped up in the corner, and I was like, do what now? That looks nice. Um, so this is the story of Tammy Duval. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. Um, In uh, 2005 in Columbus, Indiana, a 43-year-old nurse, uh, Tammy, um, was a divorcee and um, a mother of three teenagers. She was really beautiful. Like, she was, like, stunningly attractive. Everybody in the... um, So I read articles, and I also uh, referenced this um, documentary that was on YouTube. Um, It's a series that I found. It's called um, Killer Females. Okay. Oh, you're like, you're hiding this from me. You're like, I got a resource. Oh. <laughs> I'm to keep this from Sally. Yeah, no, I'm <laughs> going to share with you. So it's called Killer Females and I, they're so wonderfully um, terrible and cheesy yeah. and the act outs are just like, mwah. <laughs> love, love, love. Um, so, the, so this like, but in the in this documentary, like every person just kept commenting on like what a looker <laughs> she was a sight for sore eyes. Um, I she partaken partook in a plastic surgery enhancements. I believe everybody just kept commenting on like gotcha. You know she was that kind of a lady. Um, but but also people said that she was a great person and she was a great friend and you know mm-hmm. whenever she they needed help she was always there to help them. Um. They also said that she had a great sense of humor. Insert, there's a part of the of the uh, documentary where they show the like she was she and she had a great sense of humor. And then she starts telling um, this like room full of men. She goes, "Oh, so you're all doctors? This is like the okay. I'm gonna be doing this throughout this um, story because this the documentary was so fantastic. I, I've got okay. to see it. So she's in a room full of doctors and. Um, and she was like, oh, you guys are doctors? I've got a joke for you. <laughs> so I went to my doctor, and he said, I have acute appendicitis. And I was like, doctor, I just came here because I didn't feel well. <laughs> or whatever. I did it wrong. But it was the dumbest joke, and as a stand-up comedian, it offended me greatly. Um, yeah, it's funny how, like, um, women... Like, guys think women are more funny when they flirt with them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, she's so hilarious. Yeah, she's so funny. Her boobs are great. <laughs> um, so Tammy's, um, you know, single, and her friend introduces her to a 54-year-old naval um, ex-naval SEAL, um, Alan Duval. Alan's super handsome. He's, like, six foot two. He's tan. He's in great shape. 
Um, and they were, um, and everybody said, you know, they were both super outgoing and fun. Um, you know, Alan is divorced and hadn't dated in a while and just wanted to get back out there. And they just seemed like the perfect, a perfect match. And they said that Alan, even though he didn't really have a lot of money, he looked rich. Like he wore nice clothes. He had like nice jewelry, um, which uh, men wearing jewelry. I don't know. So anyway, so, uh, (laughs) So her friends kind of speculate that Tammy probably thought that he had a lot of money just by the way that he looked and dressed. Yeah. But he actually didn't. Um, He had several jobs. And after the Navy, he like worked on oil fields. He actually worked in a jewelry store, hence the fancy jewelry. jewelry. And he was a maintenance guy at the Days Inn. So he stayed there for free. Like he got free room and board at the Days Inn. So I guess that... Yeah, I guess that freed up some extra cash flow for him. <laughs> He's like, I don't, I don't have money, but I do. What I, what I'm wealthy in is bed bugs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm rich in bed bugs, um, so, and and uh, morning pastries. Oh yeah, dry pastries. That waffle rotating machine that like. I love that. I, there's like nothing more satisfying than when you get a perfect morning waffle at a hotel. I'm just like, oh, oh yeah, it's my favorite thing. Dunk it in the yogurt. No, don't do that. It's disgusting. Um, I hate those breakfast places that they tell you they get a free breakfast and it's just like yogurt and a hard, uh, like a gross apple. Or yeah, or hard boiled egg with like the green center. Ugh. Yeah. Um, so they were very in love. They were very happy. And after weeks of meeting each other, um, Alan proposes, and everyone thought it was super fast, obviously, but they also seemed like they were. Um, you know, crazy in love. And all, um, her teenage kids weren't wild about it because they were used to her giving them all of their attention mm-hmm. and, like, any money that she had would always go to them. And so they were not happy at all when she started spending a lot of money on Alan. Um, so they went to um, Hawaii for their honeymoon and had, like, a big fancy Hawaiian honeymoon, and apparently while she was there, she bought him a bunch of jewelry. What's up with the jewelry? How many pieces of jewelry does a man need? I mean, I can only, like, really pick... I mean, maybe a watch? A watch. Okay. Like a wedding ring? wedding ring? Okay. But other than that, Like, what else? I mean, I'm guessing it's a lot of necklaces and, like, really chunky gold link bracelets. I don't know. Probably some pinky rings. Probably. We got to get some pictures some of this earrings, guy. Diamond earrings. Um, so Tammy, you know, starts to pressure him to... Um, and when they they say, again, in the... I'm always like, when I watch these things, I'm always like hyper aware of the sexism. Um, oh, but yeah. they're like, so Tammy's like pressuring him to move out of the day's end. It's like, yeah, dude, <laughs> you're married now. Do you want to live in a hotel? Like, so they go and um, she forced him to buy a home that they couldn't really afford. Oh, she forced him to live in a house like a normal person? Right. All right. So, um, and also, like, she's the one that keeps giving, buying him fancy things and yeah. jewelry. So they say, Tammy starts to see that Alan, um, you know, they start to learn more about each other. You know, they only knew each other for a few weeks, and she notices that he actually drinks a lot. He's like a big drinker. Um, and so she gives him a hard time for that, and um, and they're starting to butt heads. And so I mean, he's Tammy been, sounds like a real nag. Yeah. She hates fun. Um, and hotels. <laughs> um, so she starts... Um, he... They get frustrated with each other, and he starts spending a lot of time at his neighbor um, and his friend's house, uh, Jennifer, who's his friend and his neighbor. So he spends Wait, a lot of time Wait, the neighbor there. at the day's end? So is that just the person that lives in the next The neighbor room, of next the over? new house that they oh, live gotcha. in. So they did buy a house. <laughs> so he, like, you know, goes there so he can, like, drink freely without getting, mm-hmm. you know... Uh, nagged on Jennifer. and then she starts to spend all of her time at the mall like um because she's a woman and she loves shopping and she likes attention that she's getting from the salespeople. and she loves the borrows uh, pizza yeah <laughs> and it turns out like tammy had a secret bank account um and you know she was um apparently she was like spending way too much way beyond their means and she would like hide the bills yeah and then he would find them and pay them and um and um just so that they could try to stay balanced out or whatever but they they were spending way too much yeah and then um there was okay i have to maybe he could have like sold some of his jewelry probably 
sell your jewelry. Don't drink so much. So then they, um, there is a scene in, in this documentary, which you should all watch, where there it shows them like fighting at a um, restaurant. Uh-huh. And then she goes, she goes to order something from the waiter and she goes, I'll have the $18 chocolate souffle, souffle please. <laughs> and he's like, no, she won't. She was like, yes, I will. I'll have the $18 chocolate souffle, please. And I've decided at that point that that's how I'm going to order everything I order from any menu. But I mean, I don't go to fancy places. So I'll be like, I'll have the $2.49 taco, please. <laughs> but that's, I just thought that was classy. And They're I think, like, wait, which, which chocolate souffle do you want? The $18 <laughs> chocolate souffle, please. Oh, you mean the one with gold leaf? <laughs> <laughs> Is it $18? Then yeah. that's the one. Um, so... Uh, so they're fighting a lot, but Alan just keeps, he really wants it to work out. Um, and people speculate that maybe the reason that he wants it to work out so badly is because Tammy is rumored to believe, uh, rumored to, it's, uh, to be inheriting a lot of money from her dad once he passes away because he owns a lot of, um, uh, farms and a bunch of property that are rumored to be around six million dollars. Oh wow! So he's thinking, you know, one day he's gonna. I mean, six million dollars in Columbus, Indiana. That's a lot. That'll take you. That'll take oh, you. It's some actually places. Cleveland. Cleveland, Indiana. Wait, what did I, did I say? Cleveland. Uh, no Columbus. You're right. I was like, no, Cle- <laughs> Cleveland is not in Indiana. I was like, I know you know, I Indiana. know Indiana. Yeah, sorry. I've done. I was thinking in there was like two. Cle- you know, there's a Columbus here. There's a Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, there's a. I thought maybe there was another. Cleveland. There's a guy named I don't Columbus. Know, dude. <laughs> I'm not good at geography. Um, so she ends up meeting Harry Smith, who's a local insurance agent, and he's the son of a, one of her patients because, you know, she's a nurse. Okay. And so she um, meets this guy, Harry Smith, um, and he keeps coming around the house a lot, and the neighbors are all like, what's going on? Like, this guy keeps parking outside and going inside. But she says that, um, you know, he's just a friend from work, and he comes over to help her do stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, stuff yeah and um so but then a neighbor tips alan off probably his best friend jennifer Mm -hmm. and tells him like hey there's a dude at your house right now so he goes over there and he catches them like making out and like going at it on their couch and so he immediately gets pissed off and he goes and he closes their joint bank account um and then um she's like haha i have a secret one yeah Um, and so he closes our joint bank account, um, and then, and then he comes home drunk and like yells, apparently like lashes out on her daughter, Mm -hmm. Allison, who's her youngest teenage daughter who, you know, she's not crazy that they're together anyway. So, um, so Allison calls her mother and tells her that, um, Alan hit her. And so what she did it well so she calls the police and um so um tammy then calls the police from her work and is like um you need to go arrest him he's at my house right now he just hit my daughter so the police go there and they said they didn't see any signs that he hit her so they just tell him like hey man go sleep it off somewhere okay which like you believe the child that say right. yes. Like if she says that she was hit, then take it a little more seriously than yeah, just don't being just like, leave him there with her. Yeah. No. Well, they tell him like go, um, go to the days in. Yeah. Go to the days in. Get your old room back. Sleep it off, bro. You're fine. So, but then, so he does do that. But when he comes home, Tammy had changed the locks. Um, so um, they sound like a lovely couple. Yeah. I mean, totally. he's like They're closing the bank accounts. She's yeah so they separate completely and um alan would like come home sometimes to do the yard work and like keep up just like the outside of the house yeah um and mow the grass um so when he was there one day he does see um that harry smith guy inside Mm -hmm. and again he like freaks out um and tammy makes him leave um but they still even though that they would fight all the time um they would go um 
they still had dinner once a week. They would meet up just so that apparently like he would then give her money and they would talk, um, and talk about repairing the relationship. Okay. Like Tammy was kind of stringing him along. It's suggested okay. that, um, so they would meet once a week and, and there's another scene in the documentary where then they go back to that same restaurant and he's like, would you like the $18 to play? <laughs> Like, I'm not even lying. <laughs> That's a part of it. And where he's like, would you like the souffle? And so anyway. I guess um, it boggle the mind that whoever wrote that has a job. I know. <laughs> and I can't get a job writing shit. Um, so, yeah. How would you like the $18 souffle? Um, so Tammy... Um, so she's kind of milking the fact that he's doing like whatever it takes to get her back. Yeah. I mean, he's buying her souffles left and right. $18 souffles? $18 souffles. Wow. So she even, so she brings, um, um, paperwork to him and is like, I just need you to, can you sign this please? It's like something for the mortgage. And he's like, whatever you need. Mm -hmm. And so he signs something. And then he, she tells him, like, hey, maybe when Allison goes to college, you can move back in. So that was the plan. Okay. That they were going to get back together. So on August 7th, they um, meet for another weekly dinner at her house this time. They have it at her house. And um, she makes him what she calls a light summer dinner. And they have some drinks. They have some Long Island iced teas, which is funny because she was mad that he was drinking. Also, who makes a Long Island iced tea at home? At home. I know. That's a, like, <laughs> party party put some shit in a glass yeah like yeah. you don't sit around and casually drink long island iced teas hold on let me let me real quick combine 18 liters <laughs> <laughs> splash of coke <laughs> um so and then she makes him what she calls her famous cho- uh famous dirt pudding which is like you know pudding with oreos crumbled right. on top it's like <laughs> that's your famous thing you didn't invent that shit um and so anyway so she um and so all of a sudden he starts to feel like really hot. Uh-huh. And like, um, so she tells him, you know, that she wants him to go home. She's like, maybe you should go home, but he doesn't want to go home. He's like drinking and drunk and belligerent and he refuses to go home. So she says she gets annoyed and goes inside to watch TV because he was being belligerent and then goes to bed. But then the next day she wakes up and she sees that Alan's car is still outside and then she goes and finds him outside and he was like passed out drunk and she, but he was, she said he was still alive and she told him to go home and then she went to work. Okay. And then, so she came, said she came home hours later and he's still there, but he's not responsive. Um, so she calls an ambulance and they ask her to give him CPR, you know, because she's a nurse. Right. And she says that she can't like lift him out of the chair or whatever, that she's like, he's too heavy for her. Okay. Um, so she tries to give him CPR, but um, by the time the paramedic- paramedics get there, he's already dead. So he died, but they say that the cause of death was due to heat exhaustion and alcohol poisoning because it was like a hot august day yeah and he was like drunk in the heat all day long and he had drinking so much they said that his like blood alcohol level was three times the amount of the legal limit oh, wow and yeah, so that's like two long island iced teas yeah <laughs> <laughs> so she calls his family to let him know that alan had died but she also said you know if you want to see him you need to come now because i'm having him cremated and the family was like pissed upset obviously and then they were pissed because they were like no no no. he was like he wanted he was a naval seal he wanted a military funeral and he did not want to and he wanted to be buried he didn't want to be cremated like what are you doing but you know she's his wife and she can do whatever the f she wants so this is kind of real fucked up too is that at the funeral he was just in a gurney bag with no clothes on because apparently tammy had told the funeral director that buying clothes to put um to bury him in was an expense that she couldn't afford wait so he was just in like a body bag yeah just like yeah they just like and then because then they were going to cremate him so when they wheeled him out to to for people to see he, he wasn't even like clothed and so um, he didn't have any like shorts and a tee that she could no. put on him. So and and here's the thing is that because he was a veteran, his whole burial would have been paid for by the government. Yeah. So she could have done that, but this was just like a big fuck you. 
like a huge yeah. fuck you. Um, and so, so then the, during the corner coroner's report, they're like, you know, this guy was in really good health. Like even though he drank a lot, yeah. he was in like perfect health. And, um, they, and also because he was such a drinker, he was known to be able to hold his liquor really well. Like a couple of lines, Island iced teas wasn't going to make him like pass out in the sun for like an entire day. Right. He was probably like me in college. Yeah. Like, <laughs> we used to get we, we used puke to, and rally. Well, we would go to like these early these early happy hour things where they were pre drinking. Huh? Did you call it pre drinking? Oh yeah, like pre party. Yeah. yeah. And but we would go and they there was this one bar that had just pitchers like little pitchers, but they were ten cents and it was any mixed drink you wanted oh my god in a pitcher was this in ohio in in indiana indiana this is where they were too so i mean so i I guess this is a thing yeah i mean that'd be like the beginning of the night yeah so yes so um i get it (laughs) he he shouldn't pass out you gotta keep going man yeah and so people keep going to the police uh and saying like that like this doesn't make sense you know, all of his family members were like, none of this makes sense. He can hold his liquor. Yeah. He wouldn't have been doing that. He was in really, he was in really good health, you know, and also why didn't she let him have a, if there wasn't bad blood between them, why wouldn't she let the government give him the funeral that he wanted? Yeah. And so, so a police officer is like, you oh, know, this seems kind of cuckoo. And so he goes and he <laughs> asks to see yeah. something smells fishy, you see? <laughs> uh, and asks if he could see the body. And then when he sees the body, he orders um, an actual autopsy. Because the coroner's report only said that, like, he died of heat exhaustion and alcohol poisoning. Okay. Um, but then he orders an actual autopsy. And so three weeks after the memorial... Um, the report comes back that he had 80 times the legal amount of a muscle relaxer in his system uh-huh. and 100 times the legal amount of morphine in his system. Let and me guess, so, who has access to that? Oh, Tammy. So <laughs> Tammy then tries to say that, oh, she's like, oh, you know what? What happened was he killed himself and he was so just depressed and he kept threatening to kill himself that when she she said that she didn't believe him and she went to bed and then when she came and saw that he had gone through with it, she didn't want to embarrass him. Uh Uh-huh. That's why she didn't give him a military funeral. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't want to embarrass him. So she said she cleaned up the vomit and the blood and got rid of the bottle so that no one would see that he killed himself. Uh-huh. And everybody's like, what? Because he was in the military. If he was going to kill himself, it would probably would have been with a gun. You right. know what I mean? And like also... Tammy said that she talked to him in the morning and yeah. was like, go home. But the morphine would have killed him instantly. Oh, so there's okay. no way that he would have been awake. And then even Tammy's oldest daughter, Caitlin, calls the police and says that she thinks that Tammy killed them. And here's why. And this part scares the crap out of me. Okay. She told them that her mother had a huge interest in true crime shows. Uh-huh. And she said that she had once told her that if you wanted to get away with murder, what you should do is you should wait till the weekend because then they'd get in like an on-call detective who has better things to do and doesn't want to be like bothered by yeah. it. And then um and then poison them and then get a cremation right away before they can do an autopsy. Wow. So that's what she told her daughter. Like, this is, if you ever want to kill somebody, here's how you do it. <laughs> Just like casual conversation. And the reason this scares me is because you know me, yeah. how I am. With, I even like, I have a joke where I say like, you know, my husband hates that I watch, you know, shows like this, like yeah. where it's women killing men, but like... Like, I don't want to... Because he thinks I'm going to murder him. Right. And I'm just like, dude, I don't want to murder you. I just want to solve your murder. That's why I watch <laughs> these shows. I, I'm always, like... I, the fact that I joke about this so much. And right. I, I'm i just terrified that, like, God forbid something happens. And then everybody's going to be like, watch any of her tapes. <laughs> this is all she does is talk about murder. It was her, obviously. But anyway... So um, so everybody thinks that she did it, but there's no hard evidence is the thing because right. they couldn't place where the morphine came from and they couldn't place where the muscle relaxers came from. So they can't, they can like, they can't prove that she right. 
did it. So she ends up selling the house and she runs out of money and but and she can't collect the life insurance because um, he, everything was under investigation. So wait, is so that that's those, what she had had yeah. to sign? So when the... she told him that he was signing something about the mortgage, she was signing life insurance. Life insurance. It always life comes insurance. back to life insurance. <laughs> yes. So um, so she being um, super selfish. Uh-huh. Because she can't get the money because it's all under investigation, she gets really impatient and she starts calling the police to, to see what the status of the investigation is. Like, have you solved it yet? Like, come on, let's wrap this up. Like, I need to get this money, blah, blah, blah. So while he's got her on the phone, like this police officer has her on the phone, he is like, she doesn't realize that he's like pressing her for information yeah. and trying to get. So he asks her a bunch of questions like, well, where do you work? Um, where did you used to work? Um, like, you know, whatever. And he finds out all of her old places of employment. Right. And he starts to go to all of them and question them. And when he goes to one of the hospitals she used to work at, they tell him they that there was an instance where she was caring for a hospice patient and she had a partner too. Like there were two nurses uh-huh. and the, the partner nurse was ordered to give one drop of morphine to a patient. And he had pulled out the bottle and was about to give the one drop to the patient, but then an emergency happened and he had to walk away from it for a second. And when he came back, the bottle was gone. And they couldn't prove that Tammy did it, so they just let her go. And then they made up this whole story to protect her partner to say that he accidentally spilled it so that he could keep his job. But they let Tammy go, but they couldn't prove that she took the morphine. Um, So... But so that explains. So that's what the police needed. They needed to see like the connection right, of the she missing had morphine. And, yeah. yeah. And then there was another ex patient of hers who said that she was like, yeah, I had so many muscle relaxers. I had they were all over my house. Like I just there there's bottles everywhere. So that place is where she would have gotten the muscle relaxers. <laughs> I'm just imagining like stacks and stacks of muscle, muscle relaxers. relaxers. Dude, that sounds dope. <laughs> so um it's three years later and tammy's like already dating somebody new and lives in indiana with somebody else um, but police show up to her house and finally arrest her for the murder of her husband for insurance fraud and for obstructing justice um and it yeah and that the insurance policy that they took out that she had taken out was for a hundred thousand dollars um yeah so it turns out that she had what she did was she put the muscle relaxers in the long island iced tea because how are you going to taste anything right (laughs) and then the morphine she put in the dirt pudding but famous dirt her famous dirt pudding which is just pudding with Oreos on top. <laughs> and then um, they think that what happened was the mor- the morphine in like the first couple of bites must have put him to sleep because like how would he, she couldn't have put a whole bottle of morphine into the pudding. Oh, So right. she, they think what happened was that put him to sleep and then Tammy took the bottle and put it down his throat and like made him drink it. Um, and then... There's more. And then, so then a witness comes out when um, and says, it was an ex-boyfriend of Tammy's and says, you know what? One time when we were fighting, I ate some food and I was like, what? This bitch is trying to kill me. This tastes weird. And he kicked her out of the house and then just like never said another thing about it. What? Like, was just like, can you remember that time that somebody tried to poison you? <laughs> You're oh, just yeah, like, there right. was a time someone tried to poison me. So on April 20th, 2011, it was after a six day trial Tammy Duval was um, found guilty of insurance fraud of ju- obstruction of justice and for murder <laughs> and um, and she wouldn't have gotten what she would have got away with it too <laughs> if it wasn't for everyone kept calling and they were like <laughs> you know this is not right you know so luckily the be diligent if there's someone that you think has gotten away with murder <laughs> Keep pressing the police um, because that otherwise she would have totally gotten away with it. But she's going to well, spend 60 and a half years in prison. I'm glad that she got hers. And I guess people were right. You shouldn't be so pretty. Yeah, maybe it's your fault for being pretty and caring and being a looker. Being a looker. Shopping. You shop too much, Aruga. Tammy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but also for somebody who watches a lot of true crime... 
Like, she should have known better than to do some... I mean, to call about the insurance policy. That's number one. No kidding! To, like, not do the funeral. Like, you gotta really play the part. Dude, if watching so much true crime has taught me anything, it's don't ever commit a crime. (laughs) Because you'll always get caught. You'll always get caught. It's like when people go on Chopped and they... Use truffle oil, and you're just like, hey, dummies, they hate they truffle hate oil. They hate truffle oil. Why are you like, come oh, on? This is gonna be the stuff, and they always see it, and they're like, oh, um. too much truffle oil. <laughs> That's, you never use it. That's such a gimmick. And I'm like, have you ever watched this show? I because do love I watched every truffle oil, though. I love it. Oh, I love truffle okay. Oh, you love truffle oil? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oil. Yeah. I think you said chopped oil. I don't know. I didn't hear right, but I like both. Both. Chopped I like oil chopped and, oil truffle. and truffle oil. Yeah. Um, so that is the story of Timmy Duvall. Oh, wow. That was amazing. Hey, Jen. Hey, Sally. I've got a love story for you. Yes. Do you ever listen to NPR's StoryCorps? No. Oh, man. If you, one of my favorite things to do is just load up a couple of StoryCorps and then just cry. Really? I mean, every, I gotta look this up. It's I so didn't good. They're really, thing. they're like just a couple minutes long. And it's, have you heard of it? It's where, no. So there are these, um, they do them all over the country, but there's like a permanent booth in, um, in New York. And basically, you bring someone and interview them about something in their life. So it's a lot of like grandfathers and grandsons or um, friends, old friends, or somebody who affected their life. They'll bring them in and and interview them about this specific time. And I think there's somebody there who helps the interview along, Um, but they're always tear jerking. They're like touching or something. And it's just, I mean, they're really amazing. So I I totally, if if you have some tear ducts that need to be cleared out and you have some frustrations, just Get a couple of those and uh, go for a walk and just have a good cry. And, oh, um, I like it's very crying. I like crying while I run. Oh, yeah. Because nobody can see you for that long. <laughs> By the time you, like, they notice you're crying, you're already like way past them. Oh, yeah. I'm like a super slow runner. So they're just like, <laughs> is that lady kind of running while crying? <laughs> oh, no. When I say I go for runs, I mean I'm walking yeah. fast. <laughs> When it's like when I say I'm reading, I actually mean I'm listening to the audiobook. Right. Um, okay, so this was actually a story that I heard on StoryCorps. And then when I started researching, I realized like it was so much, it was like such a bigger story. And um, so this story actually, it starts off mundane enough. So this is about a woman named Colleen, and she met her future husband, Max Starkloff, at work. And she says, um, she's with her daughter. Um, telling this story in the story coast. She says, here comes this guy in my office. He was drop dead gorgeous. I was done. Like that's, she just instantly was drawn to him. And I think what was it, what was unusual about the story and even like a bit scandalous um, was that Colleen was a physical therapist who worked at St. Joseph's, which was a nursing home in St. Louis where Max had lived for 12 years from the time he was 26 to when he was 38. Um, so in 1959, when Max was 21, he'd been involved in a near fatal car accident, um, that had left him with quadriplegic injuries. So he had like some use of his arm, but not his fingers or hands and no, his legs, he was totally paralyzed in his legs. And I think I'll like from his neck down kind of paralyzed mostly. So after a time in the hospital, after the accident, um, he had been a Marine, he'd been kind of like just a real, like he says he was like just living a very carefree life. And so he actually, it was like an Aston Martin and he was driving around a curvy thing and it, he, it slid off the road and he was in the hospital for a long time. And then he lived with his mother for about four years, but the physical and financial strain of caring for him was just overwhelming for her. So he moved into St. Joseph's and at the time a nursing home was the only option for someone with a severe disability, even a young person like him. So in the years before he met Colleen, Max had become just kind of increasingly convinced that there should be better options for someone in his position, that he could do more with his life than just survive the accident, which is kind of what he was doing. He wanted to live a life like anyone else. He wanted to get a job. He wanted to find love. He wanted to marry. He wanted to raise a kid, kids, family. Just uh-huh. one kid. <laughs> just want to raise, raise a small goat. So when he moved in, when he moved to the nursing home, one of the Franciscan priests had taught him how to paint, holding the teeth, paintbrush in his teeth, and his paintings like began to attract attention. And um, a 1964 newspaper article wrote like how this courageous former Marine, paralyzed from the neck down in an auto crash, found a new life, interest in life, in painting. And they said that determination and a will to be creative 
merged with an artistic talent, a talent which might never have been discovered had the accident not have happened. So they're like trying to put this like, like rosy glow on what had happened to him. And he was, but he was kind of, this feels like paternalistic. Like this, this feels like you're just saying like, oh, good for you. Look at the quadriplegic who's like can paint, you know? And so he actually, he submitted his art to artists without the backstory. And they were like, this is good for an amateur. And he was like, see? And apparently like the Franciscan priest would, when they were giving tours of the home, they would bring him into his room and be like, look at these paintings. You know, like he was just kind of, they would like pat him on the head. He was just feeling very like, yeah. I mean, like like how people with disabilities are often treated like their children. Right. So he he decided that he, Max decided, he was like, I need to not rely so much on others. I need to find a way to kind of live more independently. And so one night he actually had a dream and he's like, I know it sounds crazy, but I had this dream that he had started an alternative to nursing home, homes for people, young people with disabilities. And just for like a frame of reference, this was in the 1960s and the Americans with Disability Act wasn't signed into law until 1990. Oh, wow. So although there was like a disability rights movement, it really didn't gain any traction until the beginning 1970s. So in 1970, Max actually started to see how his dream might become a reality um, when a friend invited him out to California. So he ended up in Berkeley, and that's where he met this guy, Ed Roberts, who had founded um, with some other students the Physically Disabled Students Program. And he was leading this group of people with quadriplegic disabilities to find ways to remove barriers between students with disabilities and academic achievement. So things like having having like aids in the classroom to help with if they needed, you know, transcription or those kind of things, or to help if I have someone who could repair, why can't I think of the word, wheelchairs uh-huh. <laughs> or like motorized scooters. Right. Because like, you know, you take a scooter to the shop and then person misses, can miss like a week of... Yeah. Work. So it's like one little thing. So just having those services right there so that the student could go through, go through with school. That's and awesome. so when Max returned to St. Louis, he started raising money to set up something similar there. Um, and that was a year he founded Paraquad, which was his vision was an, a privately funded independent living center. And he also founded the St. Louis chapter of the Nat- National Paraplegia Foundation. And it was just two years later that he met Colleen at St. Joseph's. And she believed in his vision too. And as they fell in love, they started to work together to get Paraquad off the off the ground. And their vision was that they it would be um, like apartments for people with disabilities that would also have all these services there. So because a lot of times, you know, it, no matter what the service is, like, um, so like say it's to put young mother, like teenage mothers get them jobs, but right. then they don't provide the childcare, child right? Yeah. So it's like, or they, or there's no, you know, card to get them there or whatever, yeah, you know, like you have all these like fancy, um, well these days, not back then, but you have all these like crazy workplace offices that will wash your car for you right. and do your dry cleaning. And you know, that's a little less necessary. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, so that was, like, his vision. And, and, in, right. and I think now it's more common to have, like, people are seeing they need more holistic services. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that time, it was kind of, like, a brand new idea. Right. So they dated for two years while he lived at St. Joseph's and she was working there. It kind of created, like, a scandal at the nursing home because she would, like, visit his room and lock the door oh. and be like, we're having alone time. Like, um, three inches, right. please. But also Keep it's, it like, open they're adults, inches. like. Yeah. They're consenting. Who cares? This was his home. So she was actually just 23 at the time. And she said um, of him, she said, Max was six feet five. He sat very tall in his wheelchair. He couldn't use his fingers or hands, but he could still get his left arm around to hug me. And that was fine with me. And I was smitten. Even more attractive, she said, is like he had a sense of purpose. So when Colleen told her parents that Max had proposed, her mother said, you marry a person because you love them not to be their nurse. And Colleen said, mom, I love him. I won't be his nurse. I'll be his partner. I'll be the mother of his children. And that blew their socks off. Um, So while they're working to get the Paraquad apartments built, Max and Colleen worked as advocates both nationally and locally. Um, They secured an agreement in 1976 to get lifts for all of the buses in St. Louis. And they actually that St. Louis became the first U.S. city to have equipped buses. Oh, wow. And they 
established the first ever U.S. barrier-free legislation for local and state curb cuts. So uh, they've said like, you know... Curb cuts are where the you can... Um, get a wheelchair up onto a curb. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Or, you know, a stroller. It's or like, stroller. Or a bicycle. Yeah, yeah. Or, I mean, that's like amazing. Yeah. I always think of that when I would like stroll Max around New York. I'm like, you know, this is supposedly for people with disabilities, but it's also for everyone. These yeah. curb cuts are like such a simple thing, but make it, make the city and living accessible to everybody. And, um, so that, I mean, that was like, they were the first, they were the first city to have that. And they're like, if you ever, you know, have you have Max Starkloff to thank for this. Um, so in 1979, despite not being able to get federal funding, the Starkloffs together opened the first Paraquad Independent Living Center. So their dream became reality. It provided people with disabilities with more than 20 services, including counseling and daily living skills, recreation and socialization, employment, housing, and transportation. The Paraquad was eventually among the first 10 independent living centers across the nation to receive federal funding for this pioneering concept. It became a model for all of the other independent living centers, and there are now 450 of them across the nation. Wow. And um, later, they, the two of them would found the Starkloff Disability Institute, which focuses on changing the way that employers view people with disabilities. But in 1980, so after they, after the first Paraquad was open, um, in 1980 they decided they were ready to start a family. But it wasn't easy, so they knew they were going to have to adopt. Um, and Colleen remembers a social worker coming to the house and telling them they wouldn't be good parents. Oh. And she was devastated. But Max told her how wrong she was. He turned to Colleen and said, sweetie, get her coat. She's leaving. And <gasps> kicked her out of the house. Hell yeah, Max. So then they actually saw that social work again. And this time, there it was when their first child, Megan, was four years old. <gasps> so they, they did they did eventually adopt. Oh, good. And she was riding on the footrest of her father's wheelchair when he spotted the social worker. And he rode right up next to her car and said, hi, I'm Max Starkloff. I want to introduce you to my daughter, Megan. And then he wheeled away and never gave her a chance to say one thing. Oh, good. So the pair would go on to adopt two more children. And Max, um, who was told that he wouldn't live more than a few days um, after his accident, uh, eventually died at age 73. Wow. At the end of the story, Cora, Colleen is telling her daughter, Megan, this about her father. Aww. And she says, um, she says, everything we did, we did together. Going to your games, going to your swim meets, your father was there. I knew when I met dad, this was a man I could stand with and love. He was a man among men. Your dad was a giant. Aww. So that's so the story sweet. of Colleen and Max Starkloff and their legacy of disability rights advocacy. Oh, I love that. Oh. Hey, Jen. Should we do the things we love and things that are done this week? Yes. And I want to say that I totally forgot to do this last week. I wanted to do this last week so it was linear and would make sense. Because the week before, I said the thing that I loved was I was about to go see New Kids on the Block. And I said, I was so jealous. Yeah. You should. <laughs> and so, and then I uh, forgot to talk about last week, so it's dumb, but I want to talk about what I loved. So this, I, as I was saying last time, I totally forgot I had these tickets. I wasn't thinking that much of it. I actually just thought it was going to be um, New Kids on the Block and Salt and Peppa. Yeah. I thought it was going to be one of those like New Kids go and then Salt and Peppa goes. We have a good time. Then we go home. But it was set up. This was called the mixtape tour. So it was set up like a mixtape, like the show, which I totally forgot to tell you this. Just conversationally, I forgot to tell you this. My friend Sam, who I got the tickets with. Yeah. She, I asked her how much they were, and then she told me a price. I, I Venmoed her the money, and I was like, yeah, I'll go, whatever. She, being so amazing, her name is Sam Kranz, she totally went and bought these, like, super crazy expensive special tickets. Oh, and really? then didn't tell me and just charged me, like, what a regular ticket would be. And Damn. I know. She's the oh, best. Gosh, that's amazing. And then I kept trying to shove money down her throat the rest <laughs> of the time, but she wouldn't take it. But so we had these crazy seats that were like on the floor right next to one of the stages because there were two stages. Oh, that's amazing. And we had like a special club that we can go get drinks at and it was like super easy to go grab it. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's the only way to do a concert uh, at at age. our age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. It's worth the extra money. But um, so it would be like, because it was the, it wasn't just new kids. It was like new kids and Tiffany and Debbie Gibson and Naughty by Nature and Salt and Pepper oh and um, Peppa. And then they would have, um, and everybody looked 
stunning. Yeah. Holy crap. Like, they have not aged. Everybody looked amazing. Everybody sang their asses off. And you want to believe, remember that, like, oh, if they were, like, teeny bopper singer Tiffany and Debbie Gibson. But the thing is, they can fucking sing. Yeah. And they have amazing voices. And they did that oh, and so it was cool because so it would awesome. like you'd watch one thing and then all of a sudden uh, you'd turn around and then debbie gibson would go on this stage and then you turn around and then Tom and Peppa would go on this stage and it was just like so effing fun yeah we had the best time everybody's outfits were so on point and all of the <laughs> women there were amazing was it mostly um, women our age um actually a lot of people were older than me yeah um so there was a lot um yeah, there was people probably maybe like five, ten years older than me. Yeah. Because when I was, when new kids were cool, I was probably around eight or nine. Uh-huh. But like, you know, there were teenagers then that like right. knew, knew them more than I did. Right. I <laughs> but I touched Donnie. So uh-huh. that was cool. I told you he was my favorite. But I think after watching it, I think I'm like a Joey person now. I told like, you, I, right? I am a Joey person. But um, it was, and I can't say enough. Thing. It was so worth the money, yeah, and the fact that I, the the price of Countess Loanne tickets were the same, makes me want to flip this table over. <laughs> like what they put into their yes. production versus like yeah. <laughs> I will say there was one part though that was really funny where Donnie was like doing this whole thing where he goes, um, and they they didn't believe in us. Do his boss and I was like yeah. They, yeah, they didn't believe in us. They yeah. said that we were just a gimmick. They said we would never last. They said we, you know, didn't have what it takes. And they didn't believe in you either. <laughs> and we were like, wait, what? And it was like, who didn't they believe thought, in me? They called you just uh, teeny boppers. And they thought you were dumb. And uh, like every, every woman around me was like, what? No, they didn't say that. We were fine. <laughs> I mean... We were just kids, but it was just funny how he was, and like, nobody was on. Everybody went from being like, yeah, yeah, to like, wait, no, this isn't about us, Donnie, this is about you. But um, it was great, and so if you, if it, they're still on tour and they're coming to your city, do it. I can't recommend it enough. It yeah. was just, like, the best time. Yeah, you're the second person I've heard say it was so really? amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was just going to be like a dumb, funny thing that I went to, like yeah. Karate Kid, the musical. But it was, but it was life-changing. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Um, well, hey, do you remember last week when I said my dumb thing was that my kid wouldn't let me sleep? Yes. Yeah, it's still my dumb thing. That's oh, my dumb thing this man. week, too. Um, we're but, all so tired. We're so tired. Um, but my fun thing and the thing I love is that next week I'm going on vacation. Yay! Where are you going? Um, I am going to Norris Lake, Tennessee, which is um, my friend Aaron's lake house, who I've talked about on here all the time. And is that Dr. Dude Fuck? Dr. Dude Fuck. Dr. Dude Fuck. <laughs> and then Dude, can I, I'm so, I don't mean to cut you off, no, but no, I cannot get Dr. Dude Fuck <laughs> out of my head. That I have like a theme song in my head now. It's oh, like, here. Dr. Dude Fuck. <laughs> Dude, take it on some patients and do it back. I can't. I have to write out the whole thing, but it's constantly playing in my head now. Is Doctor Dude Fuck? Or maybe we should like have a um, like you should like a record doctor it. that fights crime. <laughs> doctor Dude Fuck, but she's also so yeah. badass because she she cusses <laughs> <laughs> and fucks. No, I love it. Um, but yeah, so we're going her family has a lake house in Tennessee that they've had we've gone every year since we were 12 nice so that's a lot of years and we go with our our families it's uh Erin and our friend Grace and um her sister who was like my hero growing up will be there with her daughter and so it's just really fun we go every year that's so awesome yeah and it's like the most beautiful peaceful place oh, like man. I can't like instantly I get there and I'm just like oh calm and like there's no reception i promise not to email text facebook message i mean you, you can do just, it just shut your phone off but it all. won't i mean i can't yeah. i don't get any reception there really? so it, it's oh, like that's a dream. I can, yeah can occasionally we'll go into town and like but it's like 30 minutes away to check messages or go to the grocery but yeah it's it's wonderful we went last year just the like three of us without kids um for my birthday and it was so great we just like drink wine and cooked and like oh, paddleboarded so and it was so amazing yeah so I'm really excited that is the thing I love and I can't 
wait. What if you come back and have completely changed the direction of the show? <laughs> And something entirely different. I'm like, I just want this to be like a meditation podcast. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I will talk. We make potholders now. <laughs> it's just me talking about. I'm gonna describe yeah. Jen doing yoga. <laughs> oh my god, uh, dude, I'm so jealous, and you're gonna have the best time, and you deserve it because you work hard, lady. Thank you. You deserve it too. But hey, you, but we you, both work hard, which we, is why we need you guys. Just yeah, give us a rate and review. Share it with a friend if you can share it on social media. Where um, I think next episode we will um, talk about. We're going to have some giveaways for people yes. who, who rate and review or send us in um, stories. So we're really excited about that. But so if you can do that and send us stories at, um, at dumblovepod at gmail.com, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at dumblovepodcast. Um, and, you know, just get out there and be your best selves and have a dumb love week. And thank you so much. For, yes. I know we're giving you jobs to do, but we're so appreciative and we love you guys so much. And thank you guys so much for listening. Yeah. Have a great week. Dum, dum, dum.